I'm excited to continue our teaching series on Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And week two, we get into some real serious stuff. Now, we're going to lay the groundwork again this morning. Uh, she said it was PG-13. This one will probably be one of the, the tamest of the series. I want to let you know that next week, uh, Pastor Nate will be giving his second sermon ever in the history of our church, and he gets to do chapter four and deal with sex within marriage. So be praying for Pastor Nate. It's going to be a serious week. Don't miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I invite you to turn or power on your Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter three, beginning in verse one. Little recap, if you missed this, last week we mentioned that this couple is attracted to one another and have begun dating and the courtship occurs. And this week, we're going to get to commitment and marriage. And as you're tracking along, you should have gotten the, little, the bingo card on the way in. Did you get that? If, if you missed it, just raise your hand. The ushers can bring you one by. If you're like, dude, we playing bingo in church? Yes, we are. And each week, it's a little different. So last week, anybody who got a bingo, what do you do when you get a bingo? You got to yell it out. If you don't yell it out, you just try and raise your hand. We're not going to give it to you. Uh, you you got to yell it out. We're like a big family reunion here. We're going to have a little fun and make this interactive for you. If you hear the word said from the stage, you mark the card. Now, here's what's different this week. It got competitive. You know, Last week, we were giving out participation trophies to everybody who was in the game, except for, I did want to say at this service, uh, you know, Ryan Allwert from Indy Now, Fox 59 is here, watch it uh, every day at 10 a.m., but he, he, uh, he came up to me last week very hurt uh, because I didn't say the word adore, adore during the service, so I wanted to start by saying the word adore just to remind Ryan that he didn't win last week and probably didn't get that word this week. Uh, you don't need it? Perfect. I'm going to work it in as much as I can the entire sermon. Um, but what we're going to do this morning is the first five people only, ooh, the first five people only that get the bingo, you got to yell it out, and we're going to bring you a free t-shirt this morning uh, just to celebrate and thank you. What happened was, though, at the last service, when people would win, no longer was anyone clapping. They were all mad at that person, so... <laughs> We're going to be different at this service. We're going to love Jesus correctly. So, <laughs> question I want to ask you as we get into this morning. They move from dating into a, a serious relationship, and that big word comes up, which is commitment. Question I want to ask you is, how do you know when you're ready for commitment? For some of you, commitment is a scary word. Others, it's a, it's a hard or painful word. Commitment is a word that is meant to be entered into when you enter into a covenant relationship with someone else, with God at the center, that we are getting married and we're staying committed to one another. Biblically speaking, are you serious? That was like in three minutes right here. These, are you guys cheating? Did you hey, get it to give it up for them? Clap. Come on and celebrate. That was the shortest ever. Yeah, somebody check those cards, all right? He gave himself like four free spaces, I think. Uh, <laughs> in Song of Solomon 3, they're finally going to begin to get committed. Let's read it together. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on now. Uh, verse 1. On my bed by night, this is the woman speaking, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him but found him not. 
Now, if you remember, this woman, she's a Shunammite woman who comes from the working class and she's fallen in love with the king. And the king has fallen in love with her. And some scholars believe that this is a dream sequence, but I'm gonna talk as if it is actually occurring. She finds herself in bed longing for her man. And so what does she do? Go back to sleep? No, look at verse two. I will rise now and go about the city. It's dark out. It's scary in that culture probably to be alone out in the city at night. And it says, in the streets and in the squares, I will seek him who my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. So if you ever needed to see in the Bible that it tells you love will make you do crazy things, look at these two verses. She wakes up. She finds herself longing and desiring him out of love. And now she's running around the town square through the city streets looking for him in the dark. And then verse three, she hasn't found him. So verse three, the watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him who my soul loves? She's desiring him so much. She's going around looking for him in the streets. And now the police have gotten involved. She's like, get an APB out. I got to find him. I don't even know what that acronym means, but like, we got to find him because I want him and I desire him. I love him. Now, some of you are like, how can I find someone who would love me like that? If you remember last week, he also desired and pursued her almost to the point of insanity as well. And she now is returning that she's mutually desiring him. And I find that in churches and in Christianity, sometimes we act as if love and desire for one another is a bad thing. Do you realize that it is a beautiful picture of romantic love in marriage that God presents here in Song of Solomon that is meant to be had between a couple that's going to commit their lives together? And what I want to talk about how this morning, if that has been lost in your marriage or in your dating life, you've never found that. What does it look like to date with intentionality and with purpose? She's longing for him. She can't find him. Way to go. That might have been it. What did I say? What was the word I said? Dating. That was all I needed to say? You should just raise your hand and like whisper it to me. Right over here is congratulations. Everybody's mad at you. Both clap for them anyway. Oh, one over here. I think we may have run out right there. That was the fastest ever. Uh, For like the next five minutes, if you still get it, we don't have any t-shirts for you, but yell bingo because it'll be fun. All right. But uh, <laughs> great, he's going to do it. You'll, you'll do it at any time. I know you will. Let's uh, uh, go to the Lord in prayer together now as I try and segue that. Uh, God, uh, we, just, we look at these first few verses in her passion to find uh, this man that she loves. I, I pray, God, that um, maybe there are some of us that need to restore that love and passion and pursuit of one another. Our theme this morning, the, the message, really, the title is just to be honest. Be honest about our relationships, where we're at, what we're desiring, not to be afraid of our emotions or feelings. And so, Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit here. Rid anything in our lives that is not of you. We acknowledge your presence. We pray you'd speak to our souls in this area of our life through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, First of all, I want to start uh, by saying I am not a marriage and family therapist. I am not a guru on relationships. I have plenty to learn in my own life. My goal as a pastor is to come and 
teach scripture and what the Bible says on particular issues. And so that's what I'll be doing this morning. But I realized this is one area of my life early in my marriage I actually got right. When uh, I first met my wife, many of you have heard that story so many times. You're like, don't tell it again. We met in TJ Maxx. Uh, I was really interested living in Southern California. I reached out on MySpace, start cultivating the relationship. We hung out a couple of times at church or something. And then my friends were in town and we went out to hang out with Lisa and her friends. And we went out that night and I remember sitting at, at the table with her when others had finally gotten up to, to, to like go, there was dancing and that kind of stuff. And I sat there and I was like, hey, I'm interested in you. I would like to go out with you. What do you think? Can you guess what her response was? No, absolutely not. <laughs> so here was the thing though. Here was the thing. Now, had she said no and you know really meant it, I would have stopped immediately, okay? So I'm not telling you any weird stocking stuff in the room. But what happened was she laughed and giggled, and I could tell she actually didn't mind me asking at all. So uh, I ended up asking her out again. In fact, that night I asked her out, literally, we think it was 35 times. <laughs> 35 times in one night, you're like, that's getting weird, dude. But she kept uh, you know, laughing more, and, and I knew I was in. And so I found out later she just wasn't, she didn't want to get into a serious relationship at the time, and she was probably right about that. But I kept asking her out, and she eventually said yes, and praise God for that. You know, I look back on that time, and I think that uh, some of us are often afraid of being honest and telling the truth. And you know, I encourage anybody in the dating world to be honest. You will save yourself a whole lot of time not playing that game that the secular world plays of what you're looking for, of what you're desiring, and then receiving it. I, I'm honest when I said, had she been, no, I'm not interested at all, I would not have asked again. Because we don't date or look for spouses with intentionality where we're trying to put God at the center. We gave those five non-negotiables last week of dating. If you want to take a photo, I'll put them on the screen again. We don't have time to get into all of the details. But if you're looking for those priorities in your relationship first, when you actually then have a desire for someone, it's okay to make it known and pursue them. And by the way, that pursuit doesn't stop once you get married. A lot of us as husbands, but wives as well, we need to hear that this morning. So while initially in Song of Solomon 3, this, they are still dating, the marriage ceremony is about to occur. And what I want to talk about this morning is how to be honest, that, and that honesty leads to a marriage that lasts, a marriage that lasts. Number one, if you're taking notes, pursue those you love. Pursue those you love. And, and certainly in Song of Solomon 3, it's about this romantic relationship, but I think you can pursue those you love uh, platonically as well. To be honest, to communicate your real feelings and not be afraid or ashamed of them. Verse one, if you remember, she was on her bed at night. I sought him with my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. She goes out, she's looking for him in the streets. Police get involved. And then verse four, scarcely had I passed them, the watchman, when I found him who my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Two things. First of all, that's super awkward. Anybody agree? 
Did you really have big words? You just say that because uh, uh, you really do, Lori. Okay, congratulations. Way to go. Uh, that was great timing. Uh, so in that moment, they weren't, they weren't playing bingo. They were going. And if you're like, are inappropriate physical intimacy things happening before marriage here? No. And we'll find that out in verse five here in a moment. But she and he are willing to mutually pursue one another out of love and they're very serious about it. It's going to lead to intense commitment. I find that for those that are dating, we're afraid to be honest of what we're really thinking. If you got those non-negotiables and you're really interested, make it known. And if they're not interested, receive that because God's got somebody else or you know, a better plan for your life at least. We don't have to force these things. We love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and being. We love our neighbor as ourselves. If we do the two greatest commandments, God's gonna work out the best life in the process. You don't have to force it but you do have to trust him with it. And that's the hard part, isn't it? And for those that are married, you stop pursuing those that you love. You look at this with sarcasm and you think, yeah, just wait, right? Come on, 40 years later, you're telling me, look, I have met people who've been married 50 plus years who have pursued love in their relationship in a way that cultivated, and it changes over time, certainly, it's a different type of cultivation of that pursuit of love, but they have a deeper love today because of it. And it means that sometimes you have to pursue love even when you don't feel like it. Isn't that the hardest part? Uh, there's a book, and I don't normally recommend a book that I haven't read, okay? So I'm gonna warn you with that. But I trust this author, and I saw this book, and I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Gary Chapman has a book called Loving Your Spouse When You Feel Like Walking Away. Help for desperate hearts in difficult marriages. And if that's you here today, I just want to encourage you what it looks like to, to love your spouse even when you don't feel like it. Now look, if there's violence in the picture, if there's major issues with drug and alcohol that have safety issues, not only for you, but for children, those are different stories, okay? If there is cheating and, and adultery, those are different stories, but for those of us in relationships where we're often just not feeling loved, we can choose the love regardless of how we're feeling. And I think that's the hard part of marriage is trusting that God is gonna honor that process. Number two, if you're taking notes, you wanna create a marriage that lasts. They pursued love with one another, but they were committed first. Be committed first. Look at verse five. <laughs> it gets intense. I adjure you. Don't use that word much. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, it gets really, you know, poetic here, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you are not to stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Again, like we looked at last week, it says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires that there is a place in time when you have covenantly committed to each other in a marriage relationship with God at the center. Your desire to pursue one another is, is fully fulfilled when you have that commitment first. The problem is that relationship without commitment often leads to temptation. So you'll find relationships all the time where one person maybe, and I don't want to stereotype here, so I don't think this is just gender related, but you'll find one person who is looking for security or, or, or a feeling of companionship in a relationship, and they're getting what they desire, and so they offer their love and physical intimacy back, or somebody desires physical intimacy, and so they offer these security and other things, and that's how this 
contract works, but God's covenant relationship with God at the center says there needs to be more than that, that you're committed to God first and others second, and that I'm going to pursue my spouse because it's the right thing to do, not just because I get something in return, right? Let's get real, real for just a second. You don't take the trash out because you want something in return. You don't change the kids' diapers because you want to like take a note and get it on the task list. Hey, they saw. You don't do other actions because you want them to know, okay, well, you did this for me, so I'll do this for you. And I know sometimes the reality is relationships as a whole work like that, but I want to challenge and encourage you. There could be so much more if we allow God in the center of our relationship and be committed to him first and our spouse second. I find many who will be committed sexually in their relationships too, but not willing to sacrifice for the other person beyond just supplying some needs. What does this look like in your relationship? If you're an adult who's been dating the same person for many years, you're not talking about life together, what the purpose of the relationship is, I want to challenge you. It may be time to start having hard conversations. And you don't need to be afraid of commitment. You need to be afraid of if God's not in it and the relationship. That's where the problems often arise because you're missing out on what you could have on the back end. Let me cut to the chase in Song of Solomon. Like they get married next week. Oh man, Whew. it gets hot and heavy. I'm just telling you, it's sex within marriage is meant to occur and we're going to see it next week. Then in chapter five, you get all kinds of conflict. I mean, some really bad stuff. The stuff that like, should they even work this through? And yet they're going to begin to find healing. But by the end of the book, I want to read verses six and seven of Song of Solomon 8. Place me like a seal over your heart, she says, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Their love is unyielding. They had made commitment first the priority. That's where their hearts were. And because of that, that level of commitment allowed love to be stirred up in their relationship to the point it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench our love. Uh, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Like you have no idea the depth of love we now have as we've worked through hard stuff, knowing that more hard stuff is to come. But it takes you pursuing one another out of love and being committed first. And then number three, to actually see this through, you're going to need a crew. You're going to need a crew with you. People, community in your life that you can be honest with. Be honest about your pursuit of your feelings for one another. Be honest about your level of commitment for one another. And to be honest that you're going to need people in your life that you open up to. Look what happens in verses 6 through 11. What is that coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? They're like, what's that smell? I can smell something coming. And it's, it's Solomon, it's the king. And she actually thinks he smells good. Verse seven, behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are 60 mighty men. Now I'm gonna imagine in some of your weddings, you had large bridal parties at times. I saw a wedding once where they had 11 groomsmen. It's like somebody has a problem with choosing. They need to be a little more decisive. Um, he had 60 men there. Why? Because it's a royal wedding. 
And these are his guys he wants beside him. And they're not just for emotional security. Look, it goes even farther than that. Some of the mighty men of Israel, which is a reference in the Old Testament to particular uh, mighty men that were famous. Verse A, all of them wearing swords and expert in war. Each was with his sword at his thigh against terror by night. They were there to protect him. Who in your life today is there to protect you in your marriage, in your relationship, and before God? The people willing to sacrifice their friendship with you to tell you the news that you really need to hear. I find that most of us, we go through life and we never have that kind of community that we are honest about what is really going on in our lives. The truth is, some of us, we have things in our marriages right now that we know we have not told a soul and is destroying our marriage. And, and I'm not pointing fingers or trying to make you feel bad. I'm saying we've come here to look at God's word. And I'm telling you, you're going to need some people in your life that you can be honest with to confess our sins to one another, the book of James says. That that's the way that we find healing. That's the way that we can improve our marriages and our relationship. He has these men there to protect them. Verse nine, King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its post of silver, its back of gold, its seed of purple. Its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. They, they note all of the magnificent things that are in this beautiful ceremony. But what's really significant was he was also honest. She was honest about her feelings. He was publicly honest, marrying this woman from the working class, a Shunammite woman that, that he should not be marrying. But he was unafraid to be honest about what was going on in his life. He had those he cared about with him to help him through the process. Some of you here this morning have given up hope that you could have a relationship because of various factors going on in your life today. That you could have a healthy marriage. That you could transform your dating habits. You've moved from relationship to relationship because you have been lonely or feeling like you just need somebody to complete you. And the Bible tells us you need God alone in your life. He's going to provide you with what you need. Live for that audience of one. Look, man, I know I'm preaching a little hard this morning, but I think some of us need to hear this. In our culture, marriages are falling apart all the time. Look, I guarantee we have lots of people here this morning that have been through broken relationships, broken marriages. Not trying to make anybody feel bad either. I'm trying to say in our lives today, we got to speak out about what's happening in our society and say we have to prioritize commitment and feeling love for one another, pursuing one another, and having people that we're honest with in our lives. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this through 25, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The hope is that Jesus Christ was crucified, resurrected from the, the grave on the third day, that anybody could draw near to a perfect God, that you could hear from the Spirit of God in your life today. He could bring healing into your relationships the way that no other healing could be brought. Do you believe that? Because he tells us then, if we're going to hold on to that unswervingly and let us consider how we, he's talking about the church, may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the day Christ will return. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Christian community that you are connected to, you need to find it. We're going to put our uh, engagement pathway, our discipleship pathway up on the screen. 
And I don't know which part of this you've been through. Maybe you're completing Rooted now and you've begun to find community that 10 weeks together. We have a lot of people who have gone through Rooted but have never gotten into a discipleship huddle or an outpost. We have lots of outposts starting in the near future. You need that community. They meet in the homes, pray for one another, walk with each other, but it will only, that community will only be as effective as honest you are. If That sounds like Yoda said that, like... You will only find it actually transformative if you're honest about what's going on in your life. Open up about your struggles with dating, your struggles in marriage. I want to tell you about one couple that had the, the bravery to be honest. And, you know, I got their permission to share this. Uh, they, they recorded this in a video two years ago. We may reshare that online here. But uh, Matt and Megan Mellinger have been a huge part of our church. Matt uh, is back in the sound booth. He is our uh, production director here, running all the worship department. Megan Mellinger is one of the oldest uh, members on our staff that oversees our creative team. And eight years ago, uh, they were in a discipleship huddle and, and they had gone through that, begun to grow in their faith. And then they went to the Significant Marriage Seminar, which Dave and Mary Gothy, who run that, are here. They just came back from Eastern Europe somewhere, I forget. Can we welcome them back? They're some of our missionaries we send out. But Matt and Megan went to the Significant Marriage Seminar and actually opened up about what was happening. And, and there had been some unhealthy things in their marriage that was both sides' fault that had led to Megan choosing to be in an inappropriate relationship. You can imagine how hard that was to share. Probably even harder to actually walk through and work with it. But they opened up to Dave and Mary. Dave and Mary were just there for them in such significant ways. They began to open up to people in their lives and uh, in the church even, and even on our staff. And that began to transform relationships and, and transform their marriage. And they became more committed to each other than ever before. And I'm sure like any marriage, it's not perfect. But I can tell you, I've seen firsthand the impact that it made. And they've now gone on to help other people walking through uh, significant marriage issues in their relationships as well. And I want to encourage you that you, there can be change had. And I've seen the joy and love they've had these last seven or eight years or however long it's been. And it's only because God is real. They were willing to go to the Significant Marriage Seminar, connect to Christian community, to walk alongside of them. And what connects all of that? They were honest. If we're honest and we open up, then God can bring community in our lives to begin to help. But it will require number four, it will require sacrifice. You know, I, I remember talking to Matt during that time and he f came to me and said, you know, I just, I, I've needed to learn that I need to love Megan regardless of whether I'm getting what I want out of the relationship back. I'm gonna love her because it's the right thing to do before God, not to prove a, a, a moral point. And I think, um, that is the, the sacrifice that is required within any healthy marriage. And so I was praying about looking at this this week about how to conclude this morning's message. And I want to use Song of Solomon 3 as the platform to look very quickly at Ephesians chapter 5. Some of the most scorned verses on marriage in the Bible. Some of us don't like these verses uh, because we misinterpret them. And so I want us to rightly interpret them. It's a beautiful picture of marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to, it's talking about marriage, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
First note, submit to one another. Both of us, it's a mutual submission that occurs. Then it says, verse 25, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Many have wrongly interpreted this to think that that sets up some type of patriarchal hierarchy in which the man is in charge and you will do what you're told. And it is so foreign to the concept, not only of those verses, but of Christ himself and the way he demonstrated us to live. Because look what it says next. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands uh, in everything. Verse 25, husbands love your wives just as what? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It says that husbands have the calling then that wives are willing to submit to the leadership of their husband in that way because the husbands are going to live in a manner in which Christ did, which was to lay down their life as a sacrifice for them. That they were always going to put the needs of the other before themselves just as Christ was crucified and gave up his life for us. It goes on and says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and, and be united to his wife, which is what is happening here in this passage we'll see next week in Song of Solomon 4. For this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Two things. First of all, some of you are sitting there like, well, I would totally respect him if he behaved in the way that I wanted well, I would totally love her if she you know, met my needs and desires first. And again, Christ is the example. And what he's saying here is he's using marriage and the hardships of marriage relationships, the sacrifice that it requires to demonstrate how Jesus was sacrificed for us in the local church. He says, if Jesus could love you, us, the sinners that we are, who did not deserve his love, then we could love our spouse regardless of what we're getting in return. And so I want to challenge you, not your spouse, you this morning to go, what is it that I can sacrifice to love my spouse in a way where if I never get what I'm really wanting, I'm going to follow Jesus in the way that he lived to lay down my life as a ransom for many. To have a healthy marriage is going to require sacrifice. That means sometimes you're going to miss stuff that you didn't want to miss because you were prioritizing your spouse. Sometimes you're going to have to do things that you wouldn't normally want to do, but you're going to do it because you love your spouse and you want to pursue them like we started this message with. It means that sometimes you're going to be so frustrated with them and you're just going to be like, it's all their fault. They're a bad person. And the truth is they might be but you're gonna start praying and you're gonna hit your knees. You're gonna call out to God. Again, physical violence, any of that type of abuse is a different thing. But this morning, if you're here and you're having real conflict within your marriage, wait till the coming weeks. And it's gonna begin and end with, if you're willing to sacrifice to say, I'm gonna love this person the way that Christ loved the church, only then can your foundation actually be based on Jesus. It's meant to reflect the way he loved us first. 
I remember talking to Matt in those days when he had come to that conclusion. And to be honest with you, I didn't think he was going to say that. Because usually uh, in that marriage conflict, we usually can't see with that type of objectivity. And I'm sure there was a moment where Matt didn't have objectivity. But I remember it actually challenged me in my own marriage thinking, oh, maybe I should do that too. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder often. And so I just want us this morning to come in and do the one thing I told you that we were going to do, which is be honest. Be honest about what's really going on in your life and be honest about what you could do in your life. You can't change your spouse. You can't pray for them. You can't control finding the person you're longing for, but you can't pray to God about it. You can be honest about your emotions and feelings. And I just want to encourage you this morning that if we just got an ounce of the type of love Jesus had for us, we would have way better marriages and dating lives in this room. Let's pray. God, I thank you for everybody here. I just want to pause and I feel like, God, you're speaking to some people in the room right now and they know that you're speaking to them and, and it's making them feel uncomfortable and they want to avoid this moment. They, they want to move on and, and not acknowledge it because if they did, then we'd have to be honest. And I'm tired of seeing relationships hurt and broken. God, the enemy winning the day to, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy for us turning and blaming one another. And we just invite your Holy Spirit here to do a supernatural work that you would heal some marriages in this room, that you would heal some dating habits in this room. You would make right relationships with you, that we would be able to love people the way that you loved us, Jesus. So if you're in the room and you're going to be honest and you're like, I need some help in this area of my life, let's tell it to him right now. Tell it to him right now, not out loud, but just in the quietness of this moment. Be honest about what's going on in your life. God, forgive us that we don't love the way that you love, Jesus. I pray that we would. We receive this morning, some of us, maybe you need to receive this. We receive your forgiveness and grace, your mercy. We repent of it. God, we pray that you give us the courage to reach out to somebody and be honest and talk to them about it and stop hiding things. Help us to have healthy marriages and relationships in this room. We surrender our lives to you and pray this in your name, Jesus, and all God's family said, amen.